Good morning, Crosstown. It's great to see all of you today. Let's give it up. We're still here, baby. That's right. We're still here. Yes, we are. If you've journeyed with us over the last four years, you know what it's like to, for us to flood and have to rebuild. And the fact that we're here today, well, we just thank God for what he's done. And, you know, I have really come to learn over all the years because you can falsely evaluate a moment like this. Because we got to think of this just in a way as Charlestonians, but also we've got to think about it as the people of the Bahamas are thinking about this moment. That whether the events of our lives are blessings or cursings, it's, it's our response that God's looking for. It's there we find out what we are, what we're made of. So whether the building flooded you know, or didn't flood, say, so, well, you were blessed. Well, we found blessing in flooding and non-flooding. And God wants us to discover that and also to give that away to other people. Because also, we have been spared. This time we have been spared. What it means for most of us as Americans, particularly East Coasters, that we're not going to pay out our deductibles this time. So I don't know what your house deductible is. It's about five grand for my house. So you got to lose a bunch of stuff before you begin to uh, make that claim. But I was looking at the 70,000 displaced people of the Bahamas. And I was asking myself, God, why would you... Why would something like this be allowed to happen? And then I just kind of was working some numbers, and it's like, okay, you've got 70,000 displaced people of the Bahamas, but you have 115 million East Coasters that were not displaced and don't have to use their deductibles. So maybe 70,000 being displaced could be blessed by 115 a million Americans to help them recover. So let me encourage you. We're all in the middle of our joy and excitement about we're going to use part of the deductible of this church to send as a gift to the people of Bahamas. Can I? Hey, that's a. So sometimes we think we get, get away scot free. There is no blessing that is getting away scot free. It's a blessing for us to have the responsibility to give it to someone else who did not get away scot-free. So let me encourage you. At the end of our service, we'll have a time of communion, a time of worship, and then a time of giving. It's all kind of, uh, kind of our um, expressions moment where you kind of respond to what God speaks into your heart today. Can I encourage you? whether it's through our app, whether it's through our um, little electronic thing back there, or whether it's at our website or our old-fashioned way of striking a check, can I encourage you to give a percentage of your deductible that you did not use? Your, your percentage number is all yours. You figure it out. But God spared me $5,000. Something of that should go to the 70,000 people of the Bahamas. I believe God knew that 115 million Americans would do the right thing to help the 70,000 displaced. So can I encourage you? That number is between you and the Lord. There's no, I'm not going to throw out a percentage or a number for you. You know what you can do. But out of our thanksgiving for what God's done for us, can I encourage you in the boxes and all the different ways that we got to give, can I encourage you to just give? And we will make sure 
that your giving will go to the people of the Bahamas and to help real recovery happen there. So once again, after all that said, I'm really glad we're high and dry. It's really great that we didn't have to put this thing back together this coming week. Well, welcome to Crosstown. Small group kickoff happens next week. Tonight, Power Kids is still happening. So we encourage you right after the service to sign your kids up to make that happen. If you don't sign up today, you can sign up tonight, but it can speed things up tonight. Sign up. Power Kids is happening. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be awesome. So we've been in a series talking about living in common, living in common in an uncommon kind of way. And it really applied to what happened to us. Um, And we've been asking God to change the way that we think about how we relate to things, to people, to organizations, to people that are different than us. And that we've asked God to do something uncommon in us. And we use this, this verse, and let me just read it to you. That in Romans 12, he says this, Present your bodies, or the way that you do life, as a living sacrifice holding acceptable to God, which is your, your form of worship to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, God says, listen, why don't you present your lives at this moment, right now, do something different. Do something uncommon with your life. And the way that it begins is that we present our lives to God to be transformed. Because otherwise, we will go along with the rest of the population of our country and this earth doing the most common things, living life out in a very common way. But God wants to transform our lives so that we can live uncommon, in common together. You know, the hurricane and other events in our lives have a way of challenging the common way we look at life. I mean, doesn't it just like change everything? For about five days, didn't we find this wedge put in our schedule, this distraction come into our lives? All of a sudden, we're evaluating value of things and things that are different. And and it seems that when we have events like this come into our lives, it makes us challenge the common way we look at life. The common way is that we protect ourselves. And I get it. None of us want to lose stuff. None of us wants to suffer loss in our lives. That doesn't make us bad. But sometimes adversity comes to change the way we are holding on to things. Adversity is used by God to kind of change our focus a little bit. And we're in a moment right now where we have seen our focus was forced to shift in one way or another. You know, uh, the other day, me and Susan were sitting on our neighbor's dock uh, with my iPhone, and we were just sitting out there, and Miss Ruth let us walk out there, and I wanted to give a shout-out to her. Let us sit out on her dock, and we were just looking. And I'm kind of a, 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 a shutterbug when it comes to taking pictures. I love taking pictures. I love my iPhone. It doesn't matter if you have an iPhone or an Android. But I... One of the things that you may not be familiar about your iPhone, that when you're taking pictures with the iPhone, it gives you this ability, this little, little uh, yellow square appears. Now, most of us don't even mess with that thing. We just take a picture and hope it turns out right. But if, when, if you understand what that little square does, you can take your finger and put it on your iPhone, um, and you can take an object 
in the viewfinder, and, and you can look and just put your finger on there, and it will begin to focus on that particular object. Um, if you hold your finger down long enough on that, that little yellow square, because it's, it's jumping around the screen on some phones. You'll see it go to a face here, then a face there, then an object here, and another object here. So you've got to kind of control where this little yellow box is going to land. And so what you would do is you would take your finger and you put it on an object that you want to focus on, and then what happens is the little yellow box locks. I mean, it just locks down on whatever that object is. So, as a result of locking on the object, the camera will automatically change about three different things that's going on, the picture that you're about to take. By locking that little yellow box, it will change the focus, the lighting, and the color of the picture that you're going to take. Let me, let me show you the changes. So I took pictures on the dock, and I, I was actually writing this message while sitting on the dock. And, and so here's the first picture. I took this picture, and you can see the little yellow box, and I decided to focus on my other neighbor's dock and just take a picture of that. So I put my finger on the little box, the box locked on the object, and then adjusted all the focus, all the lighting, and all the color got adjusted as a result of that. Now, let me just show you. Without moving at all, I just took my finger and put it on a different object, and I want you to see what happened. Okay, same, it's the same day, same time, just a few seconds later, but I decided that I was going to take the little yellow box and I was going to focus on the sky. So what immediately happened is the iPhone adjusted all the things, the focus, as you can see the blur that's now in the, in the close-up objects. It adjusted the amount of light and it changed the amount of color that was going to be in the picture. All of it as a result of me locking down on a different object. This is all about locking that aperture, locking that focus down on a different object. So I decided one more time, let's take a different picture. This time, I'm going to focus on the pile right in front of me on the dock that I'm sitting. Again, I have not moved. The time of day has not changed. But as a result of me moving my finger and then locking down the lens of my camera on a different object, everything begins to change in the picture. The amount of focus, the amount of, the amount of illumination, the amount of, of uh, clarity, the amount of color in the picture begins to change. And it became a really good illustration that a storm like Dorian or any adversity that you may experience in life will reveal what you're locked down on. Every one of us have a soul and a heart and a mind and we lock it down on stuff. We got things that we're concerned about, that we focus on. And we take our little fingers in our brains and we lock down on an idea, a thought, a value, a schedule, whatever it may be, an object, a thing, a relationship. And we take our finger and all of a sudden it seems that our soul orients itself totally to that particular thing that we're locked down on. So here's what I think God wants us to understand that your lock will determine how you view life. It will determine your clarity, your illumination, and the richness of your life. I mean, that's what focus, lighting, and color are. 
They determine clarity, they determine the amount of illumination, and they determine the richness of your life. So the challenge that God's put in front of us today is what do we lock down on? What is it that we focus on and we put everything into? And I think it's too often for my life, I can tell you, and it's very common. Everybody does this, but that doesn't mean that's what we're pursuing. But it's very common that we lock down on the wrong things. We lock down on our reputations, making a name for ourselves, that that's the most important thing. And we just take our finger and we lock down our focus, our color, our clarity, the, the, everything about it, we lock it down on that. For some of us, it's our schedules, that we can't change anything. It's all about what's coming up next in our lives. And we just run our lives based upon our schedules. We take our fingers, we put it on the schedule, and we make that the most important thing in our family's lives and our lives to achieve the thing that we're uh, seeking to achieve. For some of us, it's our wealth. It's, it's, the, it's the stuff that we have. We lock down on that, and that's the thing that we are trying to protect, and everything is determined in the picture of our life whether our lives are good or bad, we determine it all based upon that one thing that we've locked that little yellow box in our souls on. For others of us, it's our, using a football term, it's our physicality. It's a made-up word from the NFL network, but it's the way they talk on the NFL network. It's our physicality. It's our ability to do stuff. And when all of a sudden our bodies are not working the way that our bodies should work and we're not able to do the things that we do and, and this is a place in my own personal life and if, if you have locked down that little yellow box on your ability to lift things, run, pass, throw, catch, whatever it is, that will be the view of your whole life. And then when that thing gets challenged, all of a sudden you can't, your picture's all messed up. You can't focus any longer. Because that one thing that you locked down on has been removed out of your life. But God invites us to do something uncommon. To live uncommon with the world around us. Listen to, listen to this one verse. And this is the only verse I'm going to use from this point on. And then we're going we're gonna to get out of here with a great song to the Lord. And then we're going to get home and we're going to watch football. And it's just going to be a great day. Talk about locking down. Okay, so much so, I got my New England Patriots shoes on here. My Antonio Brown sneakers on here right here. Now, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but let me, I want you to hear what the Lord says that we should be locking down on right today. Listen to it. Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 9. I want you to hear the lockdown words. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's like taking your finger into a yellow box and say, boom. That's what I'm supposed to bring the picture of my life into clarity with. He says, I say it again. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. He's like, listen, put it together. Focus. Get clarity. Let everybody understand around you that you have focused on something. That it brings about a quiet spirit. When everybody else is freaking out around you. You know, that he's like, listen, get back to being reasonable. And, and he's about to give us, well, what should I be reasonable about in the middle of Dorian? 
What should I be reasonable about in the middle of a bad marriage? What should I be reasonable about in a, in a tough economy or whatever the, the storm or adversity in your, in your life? He's like, listen, I get back to a quiet spirit, not being rattled, losing your clarity. And he says this, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I'll tell you what, that's a big deal. And I think we've forgotten that. Now, let me just deviate just for a second because it says the Lord is at hand. And um, when we hear a phrase that the Lord is at hand, we tend to think he's referring to Jesus coming at the end of the world. Death is nigh and the Lord draws near and the Lord in his vengeance is at hand. Well, you know, as I began to look into this, particular word and how it's used in the New Testament and how it's used by the Apostle Paul, I found no justification for such a singular interpretation of this word at hand. It really means the Lord is in this moment and in this place right now. So he says, listen, quiet your spirit. Focus on this Move the little yellow box of what's going on in your soul and, and put your finger on this, that, that the Lord's at hand. Now, I'm not talking chump change up here. I, I, yeah, I know most of you are like, chump change? What is chump change? But l- let me just say this, and I'm just going to use a personal example that I have just learned in the last day. Uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, a little MRI in the middle of my back MRI found a spot on my lymph nodes. And so, my normal way of finding that, I mean, it's like, shoot, your back's already blown out, and they're doing an MRI to see if it looks good, then they find something growing on your lymph nodes. It's like, what the heck of a day that was, all right? So, my normal mode of operandi was to do what? WebMD, to go online and find out how long does it take to die from, uh, from you know, not lymph nodes, it's, uh, what, what is it, Chris? Thyroid. Yeah, that's my thyroid. I don't even know what it is. See, that proves I didn't go on WebMD. (laughs) But what my normal thing would be to focus on thyroid cancer, read everything about thyroid cancer, and and then just lock down on it. And maybe a day I felt that way. And I, but I had to say, no, return to reasonableness. The Lord is at hand. He is here. He's with your back. He's with this, your, your, all your nodes and glands and all the other things in your life. Don't lock down on this. So, so Chris offered me the opportunity. He said, yeah, it doesn't really look like it's big enough for us to kind of be worried about. Or to, and he said, but we can biopsy it. And I said, well, why would you biopsy it? He said, and he was very kind to me. He said, because you're anxious. And I'm like... Huh. I think he just called me a coward. <laughs> That's not what he was doing. He knew the common way people like you and me respond when we, we get scared. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that, that we get scared. But it became a moment, I'm like, well, wh- what if we don't biopsy? What do we? Well, he said, we'll check it in four months, see if it grows. If it grows, we'll deal with it then. Can you live with the mystery? And I'm like, you know what? If the Lord is at hand in my life, I should be able to live with this. I should, so I decided, we're not doing no stinking biopsy. I'm going to move this little yellow box and say the Lord's at hand in my life and he's in control of my life. 
and I'm not going to think about it again for another four months. Now, in four months, I'm going to be on his doorstep getting that ultrasound. But here's the thing. God wants to change the common way we respond to adversity in our lives. The Lord is near. The locking of our focus on how we respond is so important. He says this, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It's like stay in that place of thanksgiving, praising God, honoring God. Tell him what's bothering you, but don't you lock down on that thing. Don't you lock down on that financial need. Don't you lock down on that wrong that was done to you by another person. Don't you lock down on the problems of your life. God says, I know about those, and he said, you can pray about those and bring them to me. But I need you to lock down on thankfulness. I need you to lock down on me. I need you to focus on me because I am in this moment with you. Listen to the result of the, of the right lock, the right focus, putting your little yellow box on the right thing. Paul says, if you do this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He says, if you'll look at the world this way, you will have the clarity, the illumination, and the richness of God himself in your life. You will have the peace of God in the middle of this moment. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, he's giving us a list of things to focus the little box. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, what is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, he's not going Pollyanna on us and pretending that the world's not difficult, bad, and hard. But he's like, listen, you got to lock your yellow box on the right stuff. You got to be focusing on something more than your reputation, your physical capabilities, your wealth, your schedule, whatever it is. He's like, you got to lock down on whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is holy, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent. It's like difficult times will come, but don't alter your focus and then lock down on that in your life. He says, if there's any excellence, if there's any, anything worthy of praise, think on these things, and the, the God of peace will be with you. Man, that's a great thing. Whether we flood or whether it's dry, whether we have financial gain or we suffer loss, whether we run or whether we limp, whatever it is, in loneliness or in plenty, that if we will lock our lives down on God, God says he will bring clarity and illumination and a richness to every single one of our lives. So as we enter into that moment I told you about, this is a moment where we, take, we do a couple things. Some of us will write a prayer and we'll pin it to the cross, giving thanks to God, or maybe just giving him our anxiety. For some of us, we'll go back to the pastors in the back and we'll, we'll have a word of prayer. Also, maybe you'll, you'll come up and, and take communion and remember and lock down. That's what communion's about. 
It's taking that little yellow box and bringing life all the way into perspective and locking down that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that we lock down that no matter what's happening to us, God gave so that we can live. And maybe this will be a moment where you will show your children as they walk up with you. And if they're not old enough to understand it, I'm telling you, just bless their heart by you locking down. Let them see you locked down in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you'll be here and you'll just decide that I'm just going to stay in my seat and just have a time to think about, hey, what is my soul locked on? What do, what do, what do I lock down on so much? And, and maybe in this moment that God just wants to talk to your heart and just kind of get you to unlock your focus and then redirect it back into a relationship with him. And if you're able to do that, I guarantee you that the God of heaven will be with you. Let's pray and prepare for this moment. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Because you want to bring to every single person here, whether it's a child or a, a mom, a dad, a single person, a married person, a person who's sick or, or healthy, wealthy or poor, wherever we are, white or black, whatever place we find ourselves being, the God that you want to bring clarity, illumination, you want to bring richness to every single one of our lives. So God, today, we readjust our focus. We focus on Jesus. That you so love the world that you gave your only son. And today, we present ourselves. This is, this is our lives, our schedules, our reputations, our wealth, our poverty, our pain, our loss. God, today, we redirected from all those things and we direct it upon you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love us and that you want to meet us in this moment. The Lord is at hand. He is present in time and in space right here. Let me encourage you to receive communion, receive prayer, to give to those who are in need, to have this be a time where you meet God.